From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Final approach to the holiday with thousands of flyers spending another day stuck, stranded, and frustrated. United Airlines pilots taking steps to avoid a strike today and Southwest pilots announcing the potential of one this summer. Frontier Airlines in a statement saying a customer had been asked to deplane after, quote, two customers got into a verbal altercation. In a letter to airlines, the Federal Aviation Administration citing a severe lack of air traffic controllers could cause serious delays and cancellations. Ah, the joys of flying. Despite the hassles, though, commercial air travel does have one big thing going for it. It is the safest form of transportation. Safer than taking a train, and much safer than going by car. Which is why today's story has raised alarms across the industry. Bloomberg's Siddharth Phillip and Julie Johnson report that thousands of jet engine parts with falsified documentation have been sold to some of the world's biggest airlines. It's a whole host of parts, and they were safety-critical parts. All sorts of components, really, that are critical to the functioning of the engine. And some of these components were installed in the most popular jet engine in use today. It's the most widely used engine ever in the history of aviation. And it's in most older Boeing 737s and Airbus A320s. These are the workhorse planes that you step onto if you're flying. I'm Wes Kosova. Today on The Big Take, airlines race to replace bogus plane parts. Julie, reading the story that you and Sid reported with our colleagues Ryan Bean and Sabah Meddings really made me think quite a bit about flying. How widespread is this problem of falsified plane parts? Nobody quite knows right now. And one of the fascinating things in reporting this story is that I think we kind of stumbled across an untidy corner of a highly, highly, highly regulated industry with an amazing safety track record. And the parts distributors, the network of companies that move parts into maintenance shops, into airlines, back and forth, it's this back corner of the business that you don't hear that much about. It's totally unregulated. It's self-regulated to the extent that companies can go out and get certified that they meet FAA standards. But nobody quite knows how frequently this happens we stumbled across one obscure company that has managed to spread thousands of engine parts throughout the world. China, Australia, the big three U.S. carriers have all found its parts in their engines. And even the company that makes the engines, which is a GE Safran venture, has found these parts in their own shops. 
And the affected engines are the most widely flown on Earth. So the scale of this really is a bit of a mystery, but it is quite stunning. And Julie, how did you first discover that there were these airplane parts working their way into some of the most popular engines and airlines all over the world? This literally fell into my lap. Somebody sent me a letter that GE had just sent to its customers warning them about suspect parts from this outfit that we'd never heard of. And I passed on the news to Sid and some other colleagues, and they very quickly discovered that regulators in Europe and the UK were looking into this. And we were sort of off to the races from there. And Sid, your story starts with some airplane mechanics opening up an engine and seeing something that didn't look quite right. This spring, engineers at TAP, which is Portugal state-run airline, they huddled around the CFM 56 engine, which is the engine at the heart of this scandal. They handle hundreds of engines every year. And this engine that was out there, the parts that they were meant to replace, the documentation for the part said it was brand new and fresh on the factory, whereas the part in the hand looked worn and didn't look brand new. And the engineer sort of stopped and said, hey, the documentation doesn't quite match up with the condition of the part. And that's really what sort of triggered this worldwide probe, which is the fascinating story that we've been following since early August. Exactly what kind of parts in these engines were found to be misrepresented? So it's a whole host of parts and they were safety critical parts. And so they are exposed to extreme temperatures. The parts are spinning at more than 10,000 RPM. And they range from low pressure turbine blades, seals, nuts for the rotor assembly, bushings, and all sorts of components really that are critical to the functioning of the engine. And is there any evidence that any of these engines failed or had any kind of problem as a result of having these faulty parts? We haven't seen any evidence of any flight emergencies being called due to engine malfunctions, but it does highlight a risky gap in the system, especially one that's basically very safety critical industry. And was it only engine parts or had they found these parts in other places on the planes? So far, they've only found them on the engines, and that's because we've seen records from CFM and Safran and GE, but we haven't really seen other components being supplied. But I mean, it's anyone's guess at the moment, and we really have to look into it and see what other parts come out from it. Tell us about the company that makes this engine. The company that makes the engine is a joint venture called CFM that's owned by General Electric and Safran, which is a French company. And they've been working on CFM engines for decades. And since it's such a widely used engine, there's thousands of suppliers making parts, supplying parts, and essentially the whole aviation industry revolves around this. And so there's workshops repairing the engine, there's brokers selling parts for the engine, there's also a sort of separate issue of manufacturers actually making those parts for the engine, separate from CFM and Safran. And Julie, once these mechanics at TAP discovered a problem with this engine part, what happened from there? So TAP alerted Safran, which is one of the two partners in this engine venture, and they had a back and forth. Safran verified, yes, this is forged and urged TAP to go through its records and start to dig up 
every part that they had along with the certification from this little company. So sure enough, more suspect documents popped up. And that's when Safran turned to CFM. The engine maker put out a letter and alerted all its customers like, hey, take a look at any parts that you have, go through your records. And something that's really important to point out is that we're talking actual paper records for documentation for these engine parts. Every part has a story that is carefully documented that goes onto an aircraft. And it's the repair history, whether it's airworthy, how long it can remain in use, depending on the type of part. This is all documented. So documentation is at the heart of aviation safety. And unlike other industries, paper documents in the aviation industry are sort of what rule the roost. And so documentation that accompanies aircraft parts are typically paper records. So they're actually typewritten with a typewriter or handwritten by pen. And essentially, they're meant to signify that documentation is intact, the part is what it says it is, because a lot of the record keeping is basically down to just those papers. And so when you buy a aircraft part, you also inherit a sheaf of papers that adds to the value. And without those papers, the part is worthless because you can't really identify the part. You don't know how many hours it's done. You don't know where it's been, what the origin is. And so it's just treated as bogus. So unless you have the right documentation, the part is absolutely useless for the aviation industry. There's a safety aspect to this because without the records, you don't know if the part was scrapped at one point or determined that it was not safe to fly. So that's a really important part of the safety net. And yet, as you say, the documentation that this entire industry relies on turns out to be pretty easy to fake. It's a really surprisingly simple scam. I mean, you can literally take an existing certificate and just slap on new details onto it. And unless someone actually goes back and checks with those people who had the original certificate or the manufacturers, essentially it's as good as saying that this part is good to go. And Julie, were the parts that they found that weren't right in these engines, were they just used parts marked as new? Were they fake parts marked as genuine? What were they? That's something we'd love to know as well. We know for sure that there were parts pawned off as new that were used with forged documents. But there's a lot we still don't know, including where these parts came from, what their history was. Sid, as Julie said, these letters went out to airlines warning them that this was a problem that they had found. Do we know how many planes around the world have been found to have these parts in their engines? Safran has said that bogus parts have been found on about 126 engines. Most CFM-56 equipped planes have two engines on them. So we don't really know how many aircraft are affected, because some may have one or both engines affected, but it is 126 engines so far, and they're still looking into it. So we could see more come to light as this sort of drags on. And from industry insiders, it's certainly the largest investigation to come along in many years, dating back to the 1990s. After the break, the company behind these falsified parts. 
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Julie, as airlines and mechanics began looking at their engines to spot fake parts, you write that what they found is all of them seem to originate from a single company. What is that company? Well, the company at the center of this investigation is a little-known London-based parts distributor called AOG Technics Limited and founded in 2015. AOG is aviation shorthand for aircraft on the ground, and there's some irony because this company unintentionally has caused some grounded aircraft as engines have been replaced to weed out parts that came from AOG. So AOG Technics is a little-known company that nobody really knew about until we wrote about it. And it was set up about eight years ago by a entrepreneur, part-time DJ from Venezuela called Jose Alejandro Zamora Irala. So before Zamora got into the industry, he dabbled in professions from music to real estate, and he spun tunes under the stage name Santa Militia in Venezuela, Italy, and Spain. Zamora said that, Techno is his passion on his SoundCloud account. And what we do know is that he had previously worked in the aviation industry. Zamora began his career around 2010 as an account manager at AJW known as Walters, which is one of the biggest maintenance players in the aviation industry. Thereafter, he worked for a company called GA Telesis, which is again, one of the biggest maintenance shops in the world. and. Soon after GA Telesis, he went and set up AOG Technics on his own. And it sort of had this veneer of respectability. It had a very professional and slick looking website, which is now deleted, which sort of boasted an office in London near Buckingham Palace. It boasted of warehouses in Miami and Frankfurt and London and Singapore. And at the sort of heart of it all is really a tiny company with a single entrepreneur who claimed to have multiple employees, who had these offices everywhere, but actually just the guy sitting at his laptop working on a website called ILS, which is where the aviation industry buys and sells aviation parts. Julie, how was this one person able to get all these parts to sell to major airlines around the world? Yeah, we don't know. That's a really good question. And for the first three or four years of its existence, AOG was just a bit player. Sales were just, you know, a few thousand pounds up to about 20,000 pounds at the start of 2019. And then over the next year, the sales just exploded into the millions of pounds. So that's one of the questions is, where did the parts come from? You need funding to buy used parts. Where did that come from? When we started looking into the company, we sort of looked for the people playing on who worked at the company, and we sort of trolled LinkedIn, and we found a number of employees who claimed to be working there. And just on a hunch, we did a reverse image search on one of the people, a guy called Michael Smith, 
and he's now deleted his LinkedIn profile. But at the time, he said he was a quality assurance manager at AOG. And we did a reverse image search on his profile picture on LinkedIn. And we found that it was on a stock image site where they described him as a confident senior in a white t-shirt. And for some reason, that same photograph is also really popular among medical professionals. It also features on the websites of a Wisconsin cardiologist, an Oregon dentist, and a Barcelona rectal surgeon. So we don't really know if Michael Smith exists or not, but definitely his profile picture isn't who he claims to be. And he's one of the signatories listed on some of the fake documents, and we don't really know who he is. And there was another couple of documents that were signed by someone called Jeffrey Chirac, who shares a last name with the French president, and we don't really know who he is, or we haven't been able to identify him. Julie, at the height of this company's business, how many airlines was he supplying? We don't know. That's one of the items that GE and CFM have been trying to get from AOG in the lawsuit that they filed in late August, right as we were working on our first story. And so they've requested and they've received sales records from this company. And so hopefully should help track down the parts that have spread around the world. What we do know just from calling airlines is that United, Delta, Southwest, American, the biggest U.S. airlines have uncovered these parts. AOG certainly looked the part. They were certified by one of the parts industry accreditation agencies as following the FAA's guidelines around quality. And this might have helped them infiltrate an industry where people tend to do business with people that they know. So I think that's an important thing to mention. The other is that post-COVID, the engine world has just been in an extreme crunch for maintenance, for spare parts. And I think that might have caused people to lean more heavily on online tools like clearing houses to find companies, even obscure companies in London that provide the spare parts that they need to do these engine repairs. Sid, once these airlines and the engine maker discovered that there were these parts being sold by AOG, what did they do? So they went to CFM and they told them about these parts. And CFM then wrote to AOG Technics saying that, hey, we've got these documents that aren't quite real. Can you please get in touch with us and tell us how they came about? And according to the legal documents, Zamora told Doug Hensley, who's the regulatory counselor at GE Aerospace on August 2nd, that he was out of the country on vacation. However, he would stop selling the parts as a courtesy. And that triggered this whole back and forth where Safran and GE went to a London court and asked for documents, basically giving them every single sale that they've made. And they actually got them on the 4th of October. And that might actually give us more insight into what AOG did, where they got the parts from, what they did to sort of sell them on. But really, I mean, the heart of it is that the fact that these documents, they have to be manually checked and looked at and it's going to be a time-consuming process. And in this lawsuit by the engine makers, one of their attorneys described this deception as being on, quote, an industrial scale with thousands of suspect parts. 
And what does Zamora, what does AOG Technics have to say about this? So we briefly reached Zamora on the phone. We've been trying to contact him over multiple days and multiple attempts and all sorts of ways. And we briefly reached him on the phone. But then as soon as I said I was a journalist with Bloomberg, he hung up on me. And we also reached out to Zamora's wife, who said that Bloomberg had been trying to paint him to be a bad person or something. And he didn't want to speak to anyone because the information was fabricated. And you also reached his lawyer, is that right? Yeah, we reached out to his lawyers, but they haven't really responded to attempts to seek a comment from them about what this was all about. And Sid, what have Saffron and GE said about this? So the Saffron CEO said that it's a bit strange that a phantom company could be allowed to supply spare parts with false documents. And they said that they don't know who they sold the parts to and whether all the airlines have done their checks. They have no responsibility and no real connection to AOG Technics, but they are trying to find out information about it. And Julie, you said earlier that one of the problems here is that this distribution side of the business isn't as highly regulated as much of the rest of the industry. What do the regulators have to say about this? Well, you know, the regulators have been quick to point out that this part of the industry is not regulated to the extent that there is any oversight. It's with companies choosing to get accredited by, you know, an agency that follows guidelines set by the FAA, the U.S. Aviation Regulator. But in reaching out to folks in Europe, U.S. and the U.K., it's not clear who is taking the lead in tracking this down. I mean, they've all issued warnings to operators, but it's a little bit of a quagmire. When we come back, what can be done to stop this from happening again? The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Julie, you write in the story that this sort of thing has happened before. Yes, it has. And Mary Schiavo, who our colleague Ryan Bean interviewed for the story, was the inspector general of the transportation department in the 1990s and really went after these bogus parts that had infiltrated the supply chain and I think put more than 100 people into jail through her investigations. Her actions spurred hearings by Congress and caused the FAA to really zero in on these cases. So the sad news is that it's a little bit of deja vu all over again for some of the people who've been around. And GA Telesis also said that the spotlight from this will probably spur more hearings and maybe this time regulators will take another look at what they can do to shore up the safety net. Since this has happened in the past, why is it that regulators didn't become aware that this was a problem and do something to prevent it from happening again. So the FAA had a voluntary program back in 1996 for part sellers to agree to audits and checks. 
And the idea was that it would address the lack of documentation and traceability without the FAA having to actually deploy its own resources into it. But as we found in the story that despite AOG being certified by a company called Transonic Aviation Consultants, which is one of the handful of organizations that FAA has allowed to confer this certification, it was still able to get away with the action that it did. And what did Transonic say about this? Transonic said that they had hired a subcontractor to audit AOG's operation. And the subcontractor said that everything was in order. And Transonic stripped AOG of its accreditation in early September after it said it learned about the alleged forgeries. And they said that they were really bamboozled by the allegations against Zamora. And they said there's no type of inspection to find out if people are bad. So now all these airlines have discovered these parts in their engines. What's going to take to fix all of them? Well, if they have to take the engine off the wing and start to pull out parts, at a minimum, that's $300,000. So the repairs will be interesting to watch. We don't know if it's just going to be, you know, 100 plus engines that are involved or substantially more. So that's definitely part of the fallout. You also have the airlines that are stuck with their planes on the ground, unable to tap the demand. Aircraft manufacturers are struggling to produce new airplanes. That means there's a huge surge of demand for older aircraft, which sort of circles back to this thing where older aircraft are kept in the air with parts which they buy from a variety of sellers, and AOG was one of them. How do these airlines know that the new parts they're buying are themselves legitimate since this documentation can be forged. We might see a return to more focus on visual inspections of parts as they come in and less faith in just the paperwork that accompanies them. Yeah, we may also see regulators sort of cracking down on it and demanding better certification and auditing. And is there any concern that AOG is just the company that you happen to find out about that there could be others also doing the same thing? Oh, absolutely. And as one of the people we interviewed in the story points out, right now there's huge money in engine repairs and engine parts. And where there's money, there's fraud. Sid, Julie, thanks so much for sharing your reporting. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us on. Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us questions or comments to bigtake at bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of The Big Take is Vicki Vergolina. Our senior producer is Catherine Fink. This episode was produced by Sam Gabauer and Christine Driscoll. Hilda Garcia is our engineer. Our original music was composed by Leo Sidrin. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, 
Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.